You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast, where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. Hey guys, welcome to episode number 52 of the Run the Riot podcast. Yeah, 5-2. Man, it's been a, a year uh, since the beginning of the Run the Riot podcast. Just want to take a quick minute to uh, thank everybody uh, for listening, uh, for sharing it, um, for the for the, the text I get, for the, the messages, the just just thank you so much, everybody who's been a part of it. Thank you for all the guests. It's been fun. And uh, just looking forward to another year, man. It's going to be good. Um, it's going to be fun. Today we've got a great guest in, the, guest in the name of Kyle Curtin. You may have heard of him. May not. I don't know. But we're going to talk to him and you know uh, why I got him on the show. Uh, real quick, let's talk about our sponsors. Uh, we got to talk about the Outlaw Race Series. You've heard about it. Go to www.outlaw100.com. It's the home of the Flat Rock Triple Crown, the Lake McMurtry Run, Flower Moon, Dark and Dirty, and also upcoming in November, the Thunderbird. Uh, hey, I want to encourage you. Uh, we plan on being at the Thunderbird. We're probably going to camp out, hang out. I'm running, I think. Uh, not sure what distance. Depends how I come out of Moab. We'll see. Um, but come hang out. It's going to be a good time. Good people. Um, so come check out the Thunderbird to find out information about it. Go to www.outlaw100.com. Yeah. And also you need to check out the Outlaw 100, the hundred mile race. It's pretty awesome. Anyway, uh, go also go to t8.run, the letter T, the number eight dot run. It's gear for ultra runners by ultra runners, uh, their flagship product the commando shorts guaranteed to keep you chafe free you put these under your running shorts and keep everything happy under there i plan on wearing them uh, this upcoming weekend actually when you're listening to this i'll probably be wearing a pair uh if you go there and you decide to order uh, a pair or order anything from the site you uh put in the code 50 the number 50 dash run the riot that's 50 r-u-n-t-e-e Oh, wow. Let's try that again. 50-R-U-N-T-H-E-R-I-O-T, and you'll get a discount. Uh, Also, uh, go to www.modestgains.net and click on, there's a button called Pandemic Follies. You know you've been doing virtual runs like crazy? Well, this one's a little bit different. Uh, there's a They've got all kind of crazy things that have to do with burpees and doing things in a kayak and just a lot of random things, uh, pull-ups, run, and, and yes, it does include running. And, and there are three ways to, three distances to choose from. There's the short, the long, and the ultra. Um, and you can choose if you want to run long and do more burpees and do more of all the things that it asks you to do is like 25 things. Um, you can do the ultra, you can do the long, or you can do the short, whichever. This looks like it'd be really fun. I hadn't seen anything like it to get a group of friends to do it, a group of coworkers, do it as team building. Uh, I think it'd be awesome. So check that out at www.modestgains.net and click on pandemic follies. Um, yeah, that's that's our that's our people, man. Uh, real quick, if you like listening to the show, so many of you have left just a, a great um, great reviews on iTunes. I thank you so much. Uh, and if you could take some time, uh, those of you who haven't, I appreciate it, man. If you just uh, give a rating and uh, give a little little blurb on why you listen to the show and what you get out of it, man, I'd appreciate that. It helps us out a lot. And there are some of you guys that have been have just blessed my heart and uh, become Patreon supporters. Uh, man, I thank you. Uh, if you desire to do that, and if you don't know what Patreon is, it's just a way to support um, different products. On the interwebs, you know, and if you get value from the podcast and you can, I know not everybody can't can right now because of uh, just the way the uh, things are right now, you know, but it's fine. It's all good. I love what I do. This is a great thing. But if you can uh, go to the Web page, www.runtheriot.run and there's a Patreon link there. All right. Now let's get into today's show. Like I said, we got a guy by the name of Kyle Curtin. I had to track him down. He's all over the place right now. He's he's running things, climbing things. He's he's riding his bike. I think right now, or he this weekend, he's been riding on the the the, the White Rim Trail in Moab, where I'm going to be going, where I'll be when this comes out. Um, uh, he I, I got to know his name. He ran the Tahoe 200 the same year I did in 2018. And if you've seen the sh- the, the the video, <laughs> he's the one that passed up Courtney at the end and won the Tahoe 200. He also uh, went back and got the Tahoe Rim Trail FKT. 
uh, unsupported. So we talk about that, and he's done a bunch of things. You can go to his ultra sign-up and look at the races he's won and placed, and he is a strong runner. Uh, he's got a unique outlook on, on life, and dude's traveling right now from out of his van and just, just adventuring. And so uh, we talk a little bit about that, talk about a bunch of things. And so, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Kyle Curtin. Today on the Run the Riot podcast, we got a fella you may have heard about. His name is Kyle Curtin. Kyle, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks, David. Well, man, um, so you you got on my radar, um, and I look back, and you've done a lot of great things up before there, but you ended up on my radar when we were both running the Tahoe 200 uh in 2018 and so uh yeah you smoked that thing so i just wanted to right before we start congratulations on on winning that thing thanks man yeah that's still my only 200 i've done so yes uh, same here and and what's cool is getting back to you know getting to go back and watch uh the documentary with with uh, courtney and you just kind of seeing you know you on her heels there and uh when i um uh, almost the first thing I said, and I may pop this in the podcast, but it, where, where she says, hey, Kyle, you know, when she's sitting there at the aid station and you're coming through. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm kind of the villain in that movie. Uh, looking at it, it's like, oh, man, I didn't realize I was such a bad guy. I just ruined their dreams that day. Um, but she, yeah, she is super nice. And it was odd to run into her in an aid station of all places, you know, like going through your mind, uh, like thought I was going to catch her, but just didn't know when and always assumed it'd be on the trail. But um, yeah, to come to an aid station, like just thinking about what I need to do and then see her there. Like, oh, yeah. Well, I'm there. I'm there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, I, I want to go back in a little while and talk a about kind of the, the beginnings of your running and everything. But but uh, while we're on Tahoe, tell me about that, man. So this was your first 200. And, um, yeah. you know, tell me how that went for you and, and how it was different from 100 milers. I didn't know what to expect. I, I kind of went into it looking and with the attitude that I don't think anybody's really figured out these things yet. I don't think anybody's really nailed it and and really done the best possible on these courses. So and I'd ran, I mean, I don't know. I'm a pretty experienced hundred miler, but yeah, nothing over that. So it was going to be whole a whole new territory. Um, and also it's just, you know, it's a huge fee to get into Tahoe. So something I normally wouldn't have done. And I, yeah. uh, the only reason I signed up was I'm uh, doing things a little later in life than some people, but I graduated college that year and uh, a graduation gift for my parents was to a race entry to any race I want. And like, all right, well, I'm going to do something I never would do otherwise. And, and so that's the only reason I signed up for it. And uh, so yeah, it's cool. I was treating it as like a one off. All right, just do the best you can do and make the most of this experience. Oh, that's pretty cool. Man. What'd you, what'd, uh, what'd you get your degree in? Just curious. In exercise science. Nice. Nice. That's Very it. fitting. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So you, then you go do something to just beat your body to heck. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, well, tell me, so, so it being your first one, how did you, how did you prepare for it differently from a hundred miler? Um, I, I was actually looking through my training log about it and, uh, I, I think I did a lot of other stuff rather than run. And I kind of, I think most of that training was more mental as far as like getting prepared for it. I didn't do more than a 22 mile run from April was the last one until the race, which I think is sometime in August or September. I, I can't remember exactly. Um, September, yeah. But, September. yeah, but I was doing like some, some longer backpacks and then I did like a, a two week tour from uh, my home in Colorado to Seattle on a bike. And so I was doing stuff like that. Uh, but as far as like physically training for it, I, I think the 200 miler is so much more mental. You're just never out of zone one. You're always in that go forever pace. So it's, it's a game up in your head more than anything. Yeah. How did you, um, because like me, just myself going into it, I, I was overwhelmed. I, I had to try not to get overwhelmed with the logistics of it because, you know, you don't know how long it's going to be before certain aid stations and you want to have warm clothes here and, you know, just all the, mm -hmm drop bags and crew and logistics of it how did how did you handle that and and even nutrition for that long of a of a run yeah i spent a ton of time on this and i had a really awesome crew out there too 
And uh, so I had pacers from like mile 50 until the finish. Oh, you wow. know, like my, my whole crew was doing like 40 to 50 mile weekends <laughs> for that race. Um, but yeah, we talked a lot about, I mean, I had everything dialed into like even parts where I thought I'd need poles or not. And like, whether it was worth it to bring it for that section or just give them to my crew, if it was going to be mostly a downhill section. Um, so just like looking at the elevation profile a lot and then looking at times that people have ran through different aid stations. Um, but a lot of it was just, yeah, just trying to keep it an even pace and something that you can just, you know, not try to go to your low lows as much yeah. as that's possible. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, as far as food goes, I, I generally eat like around 300 calories an hour. And so just trying to find foods that worked and we, I went grocery shopping before and just bought everything I liked, you know? And so, and my crew was at every stop they could be. So I had everything at the aid stations, which are fully stocked. And then yeah. everything yeah. that I like, it's kind of weird. And aid stations won't take, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, what, what did you end up eating? Like, what did you bring with you? Just curious. I like to know what people, what fuels people. I know like watermelon was always something I liked during the hotter parts of the day. I remember the, the weird one uh, that I, my buddy still gives me crap about was the aid station at mile 181 where I ran into the Courtney. Uh, I had these like uh, Frappuccino things from, uh, from Starbucks, you know, they're like yeah. something like 50 calories. And I just sat and chugged the whole thing. Like not, not a sip or anything, just straight in my belly. And uh, I remember him looking at me and, and he's lactose intolerant. So that's like his nightmare. He's like, yeah. what, how do you do that? I can't do that on a normal day. Um, but just whatever tasted good, you know, I would just eat as much of that as possible. And you're moving so slow that uh, your stomach can digest a little bit more than you could during a marathon or something like that. Yeah. Well, I, I discovered uh, just in the last year, those the Starbucks Frappuccinos and like like for Western states, I remember I brought two for two different spots. And like right before Rucky Chucky, I chugged one and then had had another one later, man. And, and they go down easy and it's a lot of calories and that little caffeine sugar boost, man. <laughs> so it's good. Oh, yeah. I love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you did you sleep at all during the 200? No, that was one thing I, I kept reading race reports about everybody sleeping and I, I've ran hundred miles to go through one night. Um, and it's like, oh, that's, that's not that bad. You know, I can make it through one night without sleeping. And I, I figured I'd just try. My plan was to not sleep at all. And I mean, I told the crew going into that, like eight stations are going to be fast. I'm not trying to hang out and, and even have the choice of sleeping. So, um, yeah, I didn't sleep at all, but the hallucinations that second night were out of this world. I, I like describing it. It doesn't seem like you could still be running, but I really couldn't see I, like everything was moving outside my tunnel of focus. So like I could see the trail just a couple feet in front of my feet, but the grass on the sides and the trees were all pulsing and moving and just seeing all kinds of weird stuff. Oh, well, man, kudos. To, I mean, to be able to keep on going like like that, you know, and dealing with it, because like I know I know I ended up, of course, I, I, I took a little bit longer. I think I was I was 16 after you. So not too bad. But, you know, uh, I, I was out there a little bit longer. And uh, but I wasted a lot of time falling asleep while I was running, you know, and it, if I'd have taken mm -hmm. been proactive with my napping, I probably would have done a little bit better. But so yeah, I, oh, I dig it when it starts to get really weird and hard. I, I think that's. I mean, that's why we run them, you know? That's why we're not running marathons. <laughs> we're running 200 miles. Yeah, I was seeing weird stuff in the trees and, like, cars and stuff. Yeah, it's just, yeah, weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, so, man, well, let's go back. you just talking about why you do it. Um, you've been running these phenomenal races. What – did you start running in, in – uh, did you run when you were in school and stuff? Were you an athlete, younger, you know, as a younger – I was always active as a kid, um, but I didn't get into running until high school. My brother ran cross country, so I joined the team, but um, I was mostly a wrestler in high school. And so I really only ran to get in shape for that. I guess I was never any good. I was never on like the top seven varsity team or my brother is two years older than me and I'd never beat him in a race. And yeah, so yeah. it's like, I don't know, it's very middle of the road. Uh, and I guess that wasn't where my passion was either at that time. Gotcha. Um, yeah. It it's funny, man. The, uh, guy, the guy I interviewed uh, last week and, and myself wrestled in high school, and uh, the only running oh. I did then was to to stay in shape and to cut weight for wrestling. That's about it. That's right. 
Total, it's kind of opposite sports, you know, right? Wrestling. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You're trying to work out and not eat. And then running, you're just trying to eat as much as possible while you run. So, yeah. Uh, well, so did other, you. Yeah. Did you continue like after you uh, graduated high school? Did you um, did you continue? Did you continue running or what did you do after that? I, I'll say not really, but I, I did run. Uh, I did run a marathon when I was 20. Uh, okay. My dad was, okay. my dad was signed up for one and, and I was like, oh, that sounds pretty interesting. And I was still living by my parents' house in Columbus and um, like, oh yeah, I'd, I'd like to do it with you. And so I ran one at 20, but after that, it, it was more just like I checked the bucket and like, all right, I ran a marathon. I don't have to do that again. And, and I didn't run for another year or two after that one. Yeah. Yeah. What what brought you back into the sport? How do you get how do you get back into it? And then how do you find from that? How do you find this crazy sport that we're in now? Um, I, I think, well, my uncle suggested the book Born to Run, and that's okay. what really got me back into it, or into running. And I was never really interested in in doing anything else aside from hundred milers. Just reading that book was pretty inspiring. I was like, oh, if, if they can do that. And it was more of just like, a, oh, I want to run 100 miles to like check that off my bucket list rather than like I want to get into the sport and it become the the passion of my life, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So I I, uh, I ran it with like the intention to train for a few years or I read the book and then wanted to run one. And uh, so I ran a couple marathons, but I never ran a trail race aside from my until my first 100 miler. That was my oh, first wow. time going over a marathon or, or running on trails at all in a race. That's crazy, man. So you I, I didn't even train for a hundred mile on trails. What what was your first hundred miler, man? The Ozarks hundred. I I think you're a, a similar guy. You your first race was a hundred miler, right? My my first ultra was a hundred. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I dig it, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured I, I might as well dive in. Of course, I did some long 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 runs for uh to train for it, but uh yeah, first ultra I just dove in, man. <laughs> yeah. I remember I, I ran at night one time before uh, it was the Ozarks hundred and uh, I was like, all right, yeah, I got this. I ran, I know how to run at night. It'll be good. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's definitely an eye opening experience. So, so tell me how that, okay. So, okay. You're, Ozarks hundred, you're running at night. You never ran on trails. And if I remember right, I haven't, I haven't run out there, but I think it's pretty rocky technical course, isn't it? The biggest technical part of it is that they have it the first weekend in November, which is when all the leaves come down. So uh, you're just running uh, through a whole bunch of leaves the whole time. And they call it trail braille, where like the trail is hard packed with leaves on top. But if you get off trail, it'll get real soft and you'll start stepping on sticks and stuff. So that's the only way you really know you're on trail. Um, but a little technical, but um, not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> well, how was it going into your first one? Okay, you you trial by fire. You're you're going into the race, haven't done anything like that. And uh, so, how did you? What was your plan going in? And you know what didn't work? <laughs> <laughs> well said. Um, I, I was you know living in Middle Tennessee. We froze up. And uh, are we still good? Yeah, we're good now. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I was, I was living in Middle Tennessee and doing probably 90% of my miles on the road to train for it. And uh, I think the course record was somewhere around like 19 or 20 hours. And I was looking at that, like doing the math and thinking like, that's like a 12-minute mile or something. Like, I don't hardly ever run 12-minute miles and definitely not like, <laughs> like definitely not 100 of them in a row. I think like, there's no way I'm going this slow. So I, I thought I'd, you know, break the course record by hours and hours and, uh, and it'd be easy. And of course that didn't happen. I ran uh, the first half in about 11 hours and the second half in about 18 and uh, really just hiked it in for the last like 40 miles. I remember cramping up like crazy and just like having to stop on the side just because my legs couldn't move anymore. It, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely the distance, not the speed. That's the hard part. Yeah, yeah, and uh, ultra math is uh, is different than regular math. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, so, so that first one, what'd you do? Uh, how'd you go in for you know um, nutrition plan and all that stuff? You know, what 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 was your plan and and how did how to go? Oh man, um, I I don't really I, nutrition wise. I think I bought like forty gels, and that was my plan. <laughs> and uh, obviously, you know, you can't eat forty gels. 
And yeah. I remember there's yeah. one aid station where like the aid station workers are just taking me to school. I'm like, tell me what to do. I was also after reading that book, I was running five finger shoes. And so I ran the first like 80 miles of the race in these shoes. And I didn't bring a second pair. Like, you know, that's like what I thought I'd just run the whole thing. And I had a pair of like grass cutting shoes that I brought along just to hang out. in after the race, there was an aid station worker that like forced me to change into those. And, uh, rather than keep going, my feet look so messed up. And then that same aid station, there's a, the race director was sitting there and he's, he starts giving me some food and I, I start munching it down. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you can only handle so many calories right at once. You know, just you got to ease it out or, or this is going to all come up. And of course, yeah, a couple miles down the road, it all came up. And yeah, every mistake you make that first race, I just got them all in. But um, I'm pretty stubborn and, and uh, ended up hiking in with a guy named Brad Bishop, who's the guy who ran Moab 240 a couple of years ago that I paced and that's how I met him was like at mile 80 or 90 at this, this first race. And, uh, that's and awesome. Buddy that's awesome. And, uh, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, so I, um, when I first started running, I, I started running from an ACL injury and I wanted a, a goal to rehab my knee. And so my first race ever was a marathon and, but I read born to run when I was laid up. And so I ran my first marathon on pavement in five finger shoes. I trained and ran in five finger shoes. And, but I ended up finding uh, ultra before uh, I started hitting the trails real hard and, uh, and running, running ultra marathons. So, uh, so yeah, I believed in them, but uh, had to make a switch. <laughs> right. Yeah. After that, that first year, I, I signed up for the race again after a couple months of like, I finished middle of the pack. And after a couple of months of like that sitting in my stomach, I was like, ah, I should give this another go and, and see how it goes. And yeah, I changed a lot of things, including shoes. And, uh, yeah, I ran an ultras the next year and didn't have, uh, I, I told, uh, I told my crew at the time, it looked like there were a bunch of little like leprechauns are just hitting my feet with hammers after the race. <laughs> they just had like little bulges all over the place. Oh man. So, just, just from being beat up with the rocks and everything else. Yeah. Yeah, lots of loose little rocks, and you know, there's no protection in their shoes, so you yeah. feel a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I still got a pair of those in my closet. I need to, I need to wear those, man. <laughs> so this was your first one was way back in, well, way back, but I mean, 2012, right? Yep. All right, all right. I'm looking, looking at your your thing here, and then and then you took a whole other year to put something else on ultra sign up. So you know, it took you a little while to recover and <laughs> decided. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was in the army when I ran that race. Okay. Um, and uh, I had a, I was deploying the next week and I just had no idea that there would be like a recovery time after these hundred mile races. You know, I, I just had no idea what it would entail. And I remember just trying to load boxes throughout that week on planes and stuff to get to go overseas. And, and they were just, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't lift. I couldn't run. I could barely <laughs> walk for those first couple of days. And, uh, it's, it's tough. Yeah, that's that's one of the things about born to run because it's just like you know get out there run happy and you know it like and there's a lot of truth to it and stuff but you just like okay I'm gonna do it and then you yeah there's there's real life too. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so so you're in the uh, in the military you so it, you you deploy and then you come back and and you play second in 2013. It, it was that when you like kind of realize that wait i i could really be good at this stuff for sure that was okay. definitely a game-changing race for me um yeah and then i i went back the next year and ran it again and i, I think between the first yeah. year and last year yeah. I, I took off something like 11 hours in three years off my time i'm looking at it 28 hours to 17 and and seventeen forty four. that's that's pretty awesome yeah <laughs> that's huge yeah <laughs> Yeah, just learning a lot of lessons and training better and um, taking it more seriously, you know. Yeah, yeah. So were you um, were you still in the military or how, how long were you in the military for? I was in six years and um, I got out uh, like five and a half years ago. This March will be six years. Okay. So you're running some of these crazy – you're doing these races uh, while you're in the military. Yeah, so I read Born to Run back in like 2010. And that was right when I was going through basic training. And then I was in Korea for a year and didn't 
do much trail running at all and uh, or racing really. And then came back and was stationed in middle Tennessee. And that's, that's why I ran those arcs is I had some family in St. Louis and it was only a couple hours from where I lived. So like, oh yeah, that's, that makes sense. I'll just do that one. Nice. Nice. Well, man, like, so, so you, I mean, I'm looking at, at, at when you caught your stride, you, you, you hit it. I mean, you're, you're, you started winning, uh, you kettle Moraine, uh, the uh, second at a Woodstock 50 miler and you're just like, you know, just crushing it and really finding your stride in a lot of the, Oh, hurt 100. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was, uh, I lived in Hawaii for a year before I was in the ultra running and I, I, I hiked those trails. And so, um, how, how was that? I mean, okay. Cause you look like you're, you're smoking races, you're winning races and then, and then hurt 100 happened. <laughs> yeah. So that summer of 2014, I ran kettle Moraine that went really well. And that was the first trail win ever. Super cool. And then that coming fall, I, I won the Ozarks and set a new course record. And it's like on top of the world, but I just never really recovered from the Ozark race. I was just like yeah. still kind of yeah. dealing with some like small injuries, didn't get any training time in. And then uh, it's tough to, to like take a race seriously in Hawaii. Um, so I was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, hanging yeah. out on the beaches and, not really training or getting ready for the race and and uh man, it, it hurt me for sure well, and and it's one of the toughest hundred milers out there man it's 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 a beast so you know okay. the heat the roots the mud the humidity the oh man yeah it's still my slowest hundred miler ever and just i remember just getting crushed there yeah, and everything's wet you never dry out you're just wet for the whole time you're out there running yeah. yeah. So you're hurting, you you chafe, you're hungry, you're tired. You're <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. Well, um, but but you got it done. I mean, you you went ahead and finished it, and I guess you allowed yourself some time to, uh, well, not much, to, a little bit of time to heal up because there's a gap there in your racing up until like a whole year. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I got out of the army. That was March um, in 2015, and my dad retired at the same time, and. Uh, he was always planning on hiking the Appalachian trail. And, uh, when he did that, it's like, Hey, I want to join too. I want to go along and do that. So yeah, from, uh, March, we took off from Georgia and hiked until, uh, we got done some early July. So I think just about just over four months. And, wow. uh, yeah, I hiked the 2000 miles up to Maine. Dude, that, that that's, that's something that's kind of, I would love to do. If I could just leave life for about six months, man, I would, you know, that in the PCT, that would be so awesome. Tell me about that, man. How, how was, especially doing it with your dad, how, tell me, what, what was that like? Um, I mean, it's a life-changing experience. You can't go back to what you're doing before or after that. It's yeah. uh, just, yeah. you know, every day is an adventure, seeing a new part of the country you'd never see otherwise. And seeing mountaintops and wildlife and, you know, all kinds of crazy people too. And like ultra runners are, are kind of weird people, but there's the same kind of people who like hiking for months on time too. And so tons of interesting people we meet every day and um, it's something you want to definitely worth doing, but something you don't want to do forever. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But definitely. Yeah. After that, I was like, Oh, this is, this is more what I want to do with my life. This is, I want to be outside. I want to be adventuring and I want to be in the mountains. And, uh, that was like, I, I couldn't go back to Tennessee. I couldn't go back to the Midwest, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the mountains. What was your plan before that? Like, what were you, you know, what were you going to do with, what, what was Kyle going to be before, before that? Uh, I was going to use the GI bill. Uh, well, I was in the army. I was a helicopter mechanic for a while. Okay. Um, and then, uh, once I got out, uh, yeah, I was going to use the GI Bill and, I don't know, figure out what to do with my life. But found ultra running and uh, hiked for a few months and then uh, went out to Colorado to go to school for exercise science and uh, went to a trail town in Durango. So we got all we, that's where the Colorado Trail ends. And we just have a great trail network and some really cool mountains. And uh, that's uh, that's where I've been living and training and living life since. That's awesome. So, so do you, do you, do you work somewhere? I mean, are you working? Are you, uh, where, yeah, where I are you? But, uh, <laughs> I got <laughs> uh, Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, I say, I don't want a career. I'll, I'll work when I have to, but, um, I'm working with the census right now doing, gotcha. uh, gotcha. D as an enumerator there. 
Um, yeah. And then I work on houses and, um, yeah. I had a job driving yeah. medical equipment for a while, but definitely not a career guy. I, I try to take off on adventures as often as I can. Yeah. 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 That's a, I mean, hey, and you're getting to do some awesome, like right now during COVID, man. I kind of was was eyeing what you what you got going on, and you've been uh, you've been tagging some some peaks and stuff, man. Been been enjoying life the last little bit, huh? Yeah, I, well, I had a permit this winter to hike the Pacific Crest Trail, so that was going to be my plan for 2015. <laughs> I uh, I was fifth, or still am, I guess, fifth on the wait list for Western states. So the plan was to to go down to the Mexican border and hike up to Western States and run that and then uh, continue the hike. But uh, once COVID happened, they didn't want people visiting a lot of these small towns without medical supplies and, and that kind of stuff. So they asked people not to hike. And so I ended up doing this road trip. It's like an alternate. Um, you know, I, everything in my life was set up to like go do this adventure for a few months. And so my plan B was to drive out to, to California once things calmed down a little bit and and uh, went up the eastern Sierras and just started, yeah, just running up mountains. And every day I'd just pick a different mountain and go up and I'd get some advice or hear stories from somebody about which one to do next and go do that one. That's pretty sweet. Are you uh, are you just camping out? Are you car camping or what are you doing? Uh, yeah, I, I bought and built out a van uh, about a year okay. ago. So okay. I, I was doing it out of that, just me and my little dog. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, my, my my brother just bought a. Uh, I forgot which one he got. He's gonna kick me in the head, but he just got a van. And he just finished building a lot of the stuff out, and uh, I'm itching. I'm like, dude, you gotta take me with you. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely if you're good at building stuff, it it's easy. It's so small, you know. There's not a lot of like, you know, materials and that kind of thing, but lots of intricate stuff. So I was an electrician on helicopters in the army so that was pretty helpful to transfer to doing the electrical stuff in the van and then uh learned how to weld a little bit to to build a bed and then some build a little kitchen in there and uh nice. yeah it's been nice did you go uh now he uh last time i was there we uh i helped to put a, a couple of solar panels on the roof and did, did you get to do some of that did you, have you done that yet I, I didn't do the solar no i i hooked up a battery to the alternator so while i'm driving it'll charge that and it's just enough to like charge cell phones and watches and a little bit of light at night. But, um, yeah, it's pretty Spartan in here. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> hey, it gets you where you got, get you where you want to be. That's important. You're right on. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, um, so you've, I'm, I'm looking at your races and you've done man, races all over. You did the, the, the bear 100, which one, which one do you think is, um, which one would you call your toughest race so far, man? I don't know. That's so tough to say. It, they're just different. Um, like Tahoe's is still the longest I've ever been out in one effort. That's just yeah. such a yeah. such a long route and such a a difficult thing to do. Yeah. Um, it's tough to say Tahoe's not it, but I mean UTMB is definitely as tough as they say. Yeah. I think. I saw, yeah. I, uh, that. Um, yeah. Tell me about UTMB compared to all the mountains you've run around here. Uh, man, it's, it's steep still the, I mean, there's an 8,000 foot descent at some point in that race, maybe 7,000 feet. It's just, I mean, monstrous climbs. You don't go up to the tops of the mountains. That's kind of what I, I had in my mind before I looked at like the actual race map, but you're just going in like the foothills around these mountains and the towns are at 3000 feet. And like the top of Mount Blanc is 15,000 feet. There's like 12,000 feet of relief. And you're just like touching the foothills around these things. And it's a gorgeous course, but man, it's tough. There's, you know, like I say, like you're in a sacred ground whenever you get a trail that goes over a thousand feet a mile going up, you know, those are kind of tough to find no matter where you go, but UTMB has a lot of them. There's, I remember one mile, um, the, the race starts at seven at night. So you get a, like an hour or two of daylight and then you go through the night. And I remember in the morning, um, after the sun had been up for an hour or two, like, this is like a, a tough point in the race and like just hit like 1500 feet in a mile going up. Oh man, that's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. I, but yeah, I definitely dig like when, uh, when it gets real hard, I kind of feed off other people's suffering and, uh, <laughs> there's people in that race. So you're almost, if you're doing okay, you're almost always passing people. 
so, so it, it's a little easier. Yeah. So I, well, let's. You said you feed off of other people's suffering. Is it when you like that that little boost you get when you when you're passing somebody? Is that what you mean or? or? Yeah, um, and I think the nicer you are about it, the better it is too. You know, you, you come up on somebody in a race who's like clearly just suffering. Like, oh man, you look great. How are you doing? You, you want to run together in the aid station? And then they'll say something like, oh no, you should run your own pacer. Oh, you look great. Go ahead. You're like, yeah, I do look great, man. I just let you go. Kyle's playing head games there, man. <laughs> yeah, yes. I remember like my cross country coach, even in high school, talked about like the way you could pass somebody with a teammate. If you'd like both just like would speed up for a minute and pass on either side of a, a runner. And like, I remember just like playing head games like that. It's always a part of running. And, uh... <laughs> Man, when I, when I first, my first trail run, uh, after, um, I ran, uh, yeah, it was my first trail run. I think my first trail race. I ran a half marathon um, on the trails, and this one guy, um, it was for third place, and I was right behind him, and I just stayed on his back for a little while. And then when I saw my chance, I blew past him with you know a couple miles to go. And so afterwards, he's like, "Man, when you when you blew past me, man, I was just demoralized or whatever." And I was like, "I'm sorry, like you know." And he's like, "No, no, that's how we do it, you know. That's what you're supposed yeah, to do." Yeah. <laughs> yeah but uh do you do you th- like okay i've been in in um a few races like i if i'd have known a little more or played a game a little better i i don't won like um you know I was, I, if i'd have hit my headlamp you know and uh kind of yeah. snuck up on a guy because they they saw me and i didn't see them and if i'd have known they were right ahead i i still had some I, something in the tank and i could have you know went for it but so i don't know do you, what kind of kind of uh gaming do you do in some of these man tell me about tell me some tell me a story <laughs> usually not um usually i'm the one who gets got i remember uh at uh 2016 at run rabbit run i I was hunting down jeff browning and i like i was far enough back i couldn't see his headlamp and i was just going along and i never saw him at the end of the i never saw him until i crossed the finish line and like where's jeff oh he's not ahead of me and i guess he had like snuck off in the woods to take a crap and turned his headlamp off and i went past and just never knew um but like at awesome. top, when, I, when I thought I was coming close to Courtney, if I saw like a light or something, I would definitely like cover it up. So you couldn't see my headlamp for a second, but she was in the aid station. So I never got to play any of those games. And yeah. then uh, once I left, it was such an adrenaline letdown. Like I'd been chasing her for 180 miles and like, it's like, Oh, I still got to run another marathon. And I still got to run it faster than her. Otherwise, yeah. like, you know, then she wins. And, so it's like a lot of my emotions were like starting to drop. I like did this thing I'd, I'd been trying to do for the last few hours. I mean, over a day, you know, over a day I was chasing her yeah. by running. Yeah. And uh, so it was still dark when I passed her and she left the aid station right around the same time. And so, yeah, I was hiding my headlamp from her. Like, cause I was suffering then. Like I was running great trying to catch her, but all that energy and adrenaline was gone. And I was like forced to walk and, she was, I mean, she was within sight for hours and I was just trying to, to not let her see my light, but, um, I don't know. That's all part of the game too. That's yeah, all part yeah. of the race. Yeah. The Cor- Courtney's like, tough, man. And she's a beast. Yeah. Yeah. She sounded really happy and, and pretty, I was expecting her to be like tired and suffering at the aid station, but you know, she was real, real happy and upbeat. And I was like, oh man she's still got some fight left in her you know <laughs> yeah yeah i remember uh, i was uh, talking to a, a youth group about um a, a race I, I won in kansas and kansas long straight away and i kept i was telling them the story and i kept doing this i would say i would look back and i would do my hand up on my on my head like this and and so the guy the the youth guys he stopped me and he's like why do you keep putting your hand up there i was like oh i was hiding my light so they wouldn't see me looking back if you <laughs> yeah yeah explain it you know because you you would have known what i was talking about (laughs) right but um but isn't it weird running like when you get ahead you know and and you you finally get there it's a weird thing running in the front and and running scared kind of you know like not knowing what's going on behind you man it's it's a whole like you said it's a whole different mentality switch and it can it can beat you down for sure yeah it's it's definitely a lot of a head game up there at uh kettle marine i i always do better in races if i can kind of hang back and then 
when it's time to go, it's time to go and, and yeah. you make your move. Yeah. And hopefully it's close enough towards the finish line. But at Kettle Moraine, there's a an out and back somewhere around like mile 80, you know, late into the race. And um, I I got the lead maybe somewhere around mile 70 or 75. But on this out and back, I was definitely going to see whoever was in second and third and, and behind me. So I remember like, drinking a five hour energy and just like, all right, I got to run this like as hard as I can. And once I do that, then they'll know like, all right, he has a big enough gap. I'm not even going to chase him anymore. And then I'll be set Then I can cruise in. And so, yeah, that's what I did. I just ran, ran pretty hard for mile 80 until the turnaround. And then, uh, and yeah, I think it worked. I remember talking to the guy afterwards, like, oh yeah, you had a, had a couple miles on me there and I knew I couldn't, couldn't make it. So just kind of cruised it in. All right. Yeah. And then on those out and backs, you want to look as fresh as possible. You know, you're like, you might be feeling like crap, but you're like, hey, what's up? You know, I know you got to be super nice. You just say, oh, you look great, dude. Keep it up, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Great. Well, uh, so I didn't know you did the, the, the Appalachian Trail, but I know um, – you talked about Tahoe. You so you did the 200, but then you went back and you did something else. Tell me about that. Yeah, so that was I, like I said, I was doing this road trip on the Eastern Sierras, and uh, it's kind of you know really playing it day by day. And uh, I was gonna, I was thinking about doing a FKT attempt on the Tahoe Rim Trail, maybe in like September October time frame. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I started doing some research and talking to people who know the area well um talked to a woman named helen pelster who like had the women un- women's unsupported record and then another guy adam kimball who um he had the second fastest time at that point um and talked with him about it and he said oh yeah i'm gonna give it an, an attempt in like three weeks and i was like oh well man there's a there's a lot of people going for this soon i should i should give it a go before they get it and uh so i wanted to, to give myself a shot to to go for the overall fkt and this is still during COVID, so uh, yeah, I, I just yeah. decided uh, logistically I was doing it on such short notice, and um, I would just try to do it unsupported. Um, it's gonna be easier to do that than try to get a whole crew together and uh, figure out those logistics, and uh, and then dealing with you know people that I I don't live with, and I just didn't want to deal with it. Yeah, and um, so. I, I figured it'd be right at like the limit that I could run with as far as carrying food. And, um, it was a good time of year too, because the snow had melted off enough where the trail was all clear, but the streams and stuff were still running. So you Mm. could filter water and and get enough water sources. So it was really like an ideal time of year. And then also that 4th of July weekend, there's a full moon too. So it's just like all the stars aligned to, to go for it then. Nice, nice. How well? Um, so you did it unsupported, which, which um, I was thinking through that. I was like, man, that's 171 miles or something like that, and you had to carry everything. So how did you, how did you manage that? I mean, uh, you did it in uh, what was it? Um, I've got it up right here, and I lost Just it. Hours, I think. I, I can't remember exactly. Um, yeah, well, the May 41, something like that. Yeah, I, a, a day, 17 hours and nine minutes. There it is. Hey, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, Killian had the overall record. Uh, he was like 38 and a half hours. Okay. And so that was, that's what I was going for. And then I think I was like two and a half hours slower than that. But you still got the unsupported record. So, yeah. Did, I, I got that one by like 10 hours, I think. Um, yeah. So yeah, how do you... Plan- no, go ahead. Yeah. Um, it was just like a race, you know. I'd set it up like in different sections and and figure out how many calories I'd need for that section and where the water spots are. And that's where it was really helpful that it was a through hiker trail. There's like, you know, a lot of information on where the hikers are getting water. And then, um, the guy who took some photographs there, Luis, he, uh, he had hiked some of the area just a couple of days before. And this woman, Helen Pelster, she was doing an attempt just a couple of days before me and got a lot of the information on where water and, and stuff was. And, so just a lot of people were really helpful in, in planning for this. Um, but as far as food stuff, I I was trying to carry, you know, a lot of dehydrated things or things that don't have liquid in it to try to keep the weight down. Yeah. So I was drinking like a lot of Tailwind. Um, and, you know, I, I just eat a lot of candy on my runs too. Yeah. I, mean, I just feel like I'm simultaneously trying to get and fight diabetes at the same time. 
uh, that's good yeah had like a lot of coffee things and chocolates and uh yeah and just a lot of those kind of foods but i ended up being right over ten thousand calories of food is what i figured i'd need to do the whole thing yeah. and i think yeah. I, I nailed that part um if i could keep my pace and and uh and was able to eat the whole time then that would be enough and uh really it went pretty well i like the first 36 hours went right on plan i was right on pace and uh just man hey that second afternoon i ran out of water for a while and i think the dehydration really got to me and uh that's probably the lowest low i've ever had running was just getting real dehydrated and and just thinking like oh i can't do this anymore and and uh took a trail nap i think i read you said you went about eight hours without uh being able to refill at the you know because of where you were is that is that yeah yeah wow that's a long time Nevada side. Yeah. There's a, a section. I, I tried to plan it out. If I were to do it again, I would have just started in the middle of this like 30 something mile section just so I could split it in half. But there was also a 30 mile section of wilderness area that I'd never been before because the yeah. Tahoe doesn't go yeah. through the wilderness sections. That's like why we went on the Rubicon is why we couldn't go through desolation wilderness. And it's Dude. a beautiful area. It's unbelievable. But that's where I started okay. because I was nervous okay. about that being hard and, and difficult. I would have been glad to skip Rubicon, man. That was a pain. Eh? <laughs> anyway, terrible. Yeah, that was terrible. That's, that's <laughs> my least favorite section of trail I think I've ever ran. It's not even trail. It's a Jeep road. Yeah, climbing, be climbing boulders. And it, I hit it at night. It looked like I was on the surface of the moon because all the dust and stuff and tripping and kicking. and shoes and Yeah. yeah. Well, so, uh, but that, that's pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, you went out there and even, even with trouble, you got the unsupported record now unsupported. Um, can you're not, you're not paced or anything. You're just by yourself. Yeah. I didn't have anybody with me. Um, and, uh, I carried all my food from the start, so I didn't have drop bags or anything like that. And then, uh, you're supposed to get your water from natural sources. So I just filled up at streams and and uh springs and that kind of stuff well here here's here's uh what i'm curious about because uh like when you did the tahoe 200 you said from mile 50 on you had pacers and stuff like that you go to do something like this and what did you do what was your your headspace like and how did you how did you just keep pushing and keep going and you know how do you keep your brain focused on the task at hand but also you know but also just kind of get in a zone so much of racing and like when you're in the race zone is you don't have to think about that. You know, you just got to get enough food for the 10 miles or whatever to the next aid station. Um, but, and you, you know, everything's marked with flags and light up stuff at night and, and all that kind of stuff. And when you're doing like an FKT attempt, you know, you, you always got to be paying attention that you're on the right route and like always checking when my next water source is like, how much water do I got to carry here to go to the next one? Um, and so it's a lot more engaging mentally and it's, I I didn't really zone out all that often. I was, I was pretty engaged a lot of the time as far as like thinking like, okay, does that look right? Is this the way I'm going? Like identifying landmarks and that kind of thing to like get some confirmation that, okay, yeah, I'm on the right path. Well, that in and of itself, I mean, uh, that's exhausting, you know, mentally exhausting while you're physically exerting yourself. So, I mean, that's. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I could see wanting to just rest your brain a little while. Did you yeah. uh, head, headphones or anything? Oh, man, you know, the only thing that I, I messed up in all this was I didn't bring a, a phone charging cable while I was running. I had a battery pack like I was ready to like because it was my navigation and like I was going to play music and stuff with it, too. Yeah, but I was yeah. I was so worried with it being my navigation. I didn't want to kill the battery playing music. So I had planned on it and just I had like when I would hit a low spot, I'd be like, all right, I can give myself like 15 minutes of music and then I got to turn it off to save battery life again. Um, So I do a little bit of music. But, yeah, for the most part, I was just uh, doing it without it. And I I do like running with music or podcasts or something like that. Yeah, Yeah. it's crazy. I've run I've run hundred milers with uh, nothing, you know, nothing at all. No headphones or anything just by choice. And then and then I've listened to whole books, (laughs) you know, it's like, (laughs) you know, just something to, you know, uh, uh, for other races. I've listened to a whole book, you know, so I don't know. It just depends on, you know, where my headspace is. I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I remember during Tahoe 200, uh, before uh, before I got Pacers, on all the uphills, I would turn on political podcasts, just get me riled up, and and then yeah. I'd start. You know, that's those awesome. are for the uphills, and then music on the downhills, and and that seemed to work pretty well. So I got my Pacers. <laughs> that's awesome. That's good. <laughs> uh, well, hey, but besides the Run the Riot podcast, what's your favorite podcast? <laughs> oh man, um, the the Ultra Jogger. Or the okay. Adventure Jogger. That's adventure pretty jogger, good. My buddy yeah. Ryan was uh, one of the first people who got me into to trail running. We kind of both discovered the sport at the same time in Middle Tennessee. Um, and he's also a radio DJ, so oh. he's pretty entertaining as far as as far as that goes. He's got some job qualifications. Yeah. And then Sinto uh, yeah. has one called Just Grit that I appreciate. They have a lot of Iron Men and uh, Iron Women and and long distance runners on there that I appreciate hearing about the lifestyle. Nice, nice. Now you you run for uh you represent Sunto also, right? Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm on the um I think I'm on the factory team. I think we call it. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was on that uh yeah during Tahoe. And then, oh, nice. Uh, oh, this guy can run. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we well, was bumping up a little bit. <laughs> uh, and now you and you and I are both uh because I'm gonna ask you in a minute uh which which shoes you wear for which one but you and I are both on the ultra team. For I know so, for top 200 I started out in the duo, which yeah. was not yeah. the right shoe and I I, I swapped out. <laughs> you, okay. Then um it, it's a super light shoe and that's why yeah. I chose it but yeah. I think the trails and it's a road shoe and I think the trail you need a real trail shoe. Um, but also the dust was getting through some of the the mesh on top. So I, I needed yeah. something a little more yeah. protection from that too. Um, but I do almost all my ultras. I'm trying to think of one that I didn't do in the Lone Peaks. Mm. Um, but I do most of my trail miles. Anything super rugged, which I don't know, is what I enjoy running the most. I, I do in Kings. I think the grip on Kings are RIP. They're better than anything out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've I've uh, I've actually never tried the Kings, uh, but um, I, I've been I, I was all Lone Peak when it came to 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 my trails and all. For Tahoe, I did the Olympus, um, just for because it's long and you know I wanted some mm-hmm. cushion. And for for Moab, I plan on doing using the Olympus a whole bunch. But uh, Lone Peak was my jam. And now the temps are really good too, man. I don't know if you tried the new Temp Twos out yet. I haven't yet. I do like the. The temp. I think I have a pair of 1.5s. I yeah. run in yeah. just every once in a while, you know, and your feet are a little beat up and you need just something a little more cushioning. But I, I still believe in that minimalist yeah. side. So I run in superiors a lot too, and yeah, um, I, I like to feel the ground for sure. Yeah, my first hundred was in the first first original superiors. Uh, I, I swapped out two pair. Uh, of those and uh then i guess as i got a little bit older i was like i need a little more padding on these old feet man yeah <laughs> so, yeah so let's talk a little bit about uh you you just told me before we uh before i hit record you're at your last uh city right before moab you're in a place that actually when this airs i will be running uh the moab 240 because we're going to air this in a in a not this saturday but next and so what going to moab to do i'm gonna bike the white rim uh, it's a hundred mile, uh, some jeepers use it and, um, uh, mountain bike route. Um, but yeah, it's just a, a cool view of, of the area in Moab and, uh, yeah, going to go try to do that in a day. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So I've never been, I, I like, one of the things I like to do is, um, is some of these races. Like I had never been to Tahoe when I ran the Tahoe 200, I, I trained in Oklahoma and then went run, you know, went running the mountains. And so, uh, so tell me, tell me what. I can expect because you've paced before at Moab and and you've been around there a little bit. Tell me what I can expect. Give me some, give me some, uh, some sage advice. Uh, A little bit of everything. Um, The town I'm parked in right now is Monticello. And next to that is the Abajo mountains. And that's the section that I paced when I ran it. Um, And that's a a pretty steep and that'll be later in your run too. Maybe somewhere, somewhere in the hundreds. I'm not quite sure. Um, But yeah, there's some steep loose ups. And uh, I think, there's also a lot of Jeep roads and kind of more road grade stuff that you'll be running in Moab. So even though it is, you know, 240 miles, there's a lot of really runnable, non-technical, just smooth graded roads. 
Um, and your toughest section is definitely going to be in the LaSalle's. That's the mountains uh, just east of, of Moab. And those are some real mountains. They have snow on them. Um, yeah, and we're going to hit that with some pretty tired legs. Uh, I don't know, mile, forgot, 170, 80, something like that. <laughs> That's crazy. I, yeah, I, I paced, I forget where exactly I started, but through the Abajos and then stopped right before uh, – well, not stopped. There's another guy who came in and paced my buddy Brad Bishop. Who's yeah. the guy from my first Ozarks race who like hiked in with me at mile 80 and 90 and gave me some ibuprofen and nice, <laughs> you know, nice. Um, yes, um, it's a little bit of everything though. It's it's definitely a long race. It's not quite as high as Tahoe. Um, mm-hmm. You don't get those peaks. It can be hot. Um, just be prepared. I think yeah. it's going to be in the 80s yeah. this week. So I'm not sure what your forecast looks like. I think it's about the same right now. Yeah. Okay. And then, I mean, the nights definitely get cold. There's clouds don't exist in this part of Utah. So it gets huh. hot in the day and cold at night. Um, you'll be able to see all the stars, though. That'll be really cool. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to that, man. There's, there's just, just being out and, you know, just suffering and, you know, enjoying it. <laughs> Yeah, I love that the Moab 240 does a huge loop. I mean, it's a massive loop. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's, uh, <laughs> oh, man. You, you well, see a lot of different parts. Well, so you're going to go, you're going out there on the party that you're going to go run, uh, ride, ride the, uh, what is it, the white rim. And then what's after that, man? So you just like, so COVID hit and all our races went to. You know, and so you're you're just doing these adventures, tagging peaks, and 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 so you're gonna go. What's what's after that? I, well, I'm still on the wait list for Western States next year. I'm pretty over racing right now. I I signed up for a couple things that got canceled, and it just it's, it's easy to see the writing on the wall. You know, Kodiak yeah. get canceled. Yeah. Everything everything's getting canceled. So I just kind of said in my head, like I'm not racing this year. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna yeah. do keep training hard and and keep doing things that i like that i'm passionate about and uh get back to it next year hopefully well it sounds like you're staying in great shape to especially to jump in and do the um the uh tahoe rim trail kind of on kind of on a whim you know so you're you're, you're keeping a pretty good uh pretty good base going evidently <laughs> for sure yeah the, the next thing that's kind of on the radar my parents live in Asheville, north carolina now we, i grew up in ohio and that's where they lived when me and my dad hiked the at um, but one of the towns we visited was Asheville and, um, I think my dad got sold on it. There's something like 22 breweries there. And, and he's like, Oh, it's right next to all these trails. And, um, so he convinced my mom to move down there to retire nice. and in nice. retirement, he takes care of the trails. Um, one of the trails he takes care of is called the mountain to sea trail. That mm. goes from, um, goes from the mountains in Asheville all the way out to the ocean. But the section he takes care of goes from uh, Mount Pisgah to Mount Mitchell, which is a high point out east. Mm. And so there's an FKT in that area um, called the Pitchell that uh, I'm pretty interested in going after when I visit them for Thanksgiving. Nice, nice. That's good. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing how um, FKTs have uh, gone through the roof, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And I, I think it's way more entertaining, especially as a fan of the sport. Just yeah see what people's creativity and, and motivations are to, to do some of these crazy things. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, make sure, make sure you're posting about it when you go do it so we can, you know, follow along and, and see how you're doing. And, uh, cause I love when somebody posts, Hey, I'm going to give this a shot. And then we can, you know, kind of follow along Cheer, you know, we want to cheer you on. I, that's one of the cool things about our sport. I love that for an FKT that the previous, person who has the fkt will help the next guy sometime you know with advice or even pace a man that's so cool yeah oh yeah it's awesome i agree when you talked about adam kimball because i saw adam kimball he he recently i remember i need to get him on the podcast too but he's got the uh he got the supported fkt um not long after you yeah yeah i think it's uh just two weeks after me yeah uh, and yeah, I mean, I talked with him for an hour about like how, how to approach it and, and what sections to worry about and, and, uh, if there's any confusing sections or anything like that. And yeah, it's, it's great that the community is so supportive and, um, yeah. And you know, Helen Pelster, who, who she had the women's unsupported FKT, she got that just a week before me. And I think it's since been broken. Um, but I mean, she was there hit the finish, you know, and, and yeah. it was cheering me on yeah. 
in the dark when I finished up finally. Um, it, in fact, I'm looking at it. C- Candace uh, beat hers. <laughs> Candace Burt. <laughs> I think, yeah, the same week of uh, Adam, I think. It was all, yeah, there's a lot of us real soon. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't realize that so many happened back to back. She finished uh, two days after you. She, uh, yeah, Candace, fin- Candace did it. That's crazy. Okay. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, well, I mean, that time of year is just really good for Tahoe just because, like I talked about, with the water sources and, yeah. and uh, the trail finally opening up from snow and some of the higher points. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, if, you, if you wait too long and try to do it unsupported, you're not going to have water. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Uh, so, so you, you, you got to take it in for Western States. Um, and, um, man, that's, that's, everybody wants to get in there and do Western States. Are you, uh, you're going to, you're going to do some serious training and, and get in there and try to crush it, you know, and when, and if it happens, that's the goal. Yeah, Definitely. Well, and you've done UTMB. What other races, when we're racing again, what other races that you have kind of on your, like, man, I really want to do that one, or, you know, that's just kind of there that you got to get your feet on? Um, I mean, I'd like to go back to Ozarks again. Uh, yeah. I told myself if anybody ever breaks my course record, I'll go back again. Um, nice. And then obviously Hard Rock. That's this is a really cool community and, and route. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely open. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. saw your Arkansas Traveler a couple times. Uh, yeah. That's another one. Seems pretty interesting. I like racing that time of year too. Yeah, you'd uh, that one gets it gets a little warm, but uh, I, I think uh, it's it's got a good eight mile section and some technical trail, and then it's a lot of jeep roads and stuff. You 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 probably crush it out there, man. Yeah, you should put that one on your list. It's a good race. There's one. Uh, I don't know if they're ever gonna have it again, but I signed up for one called Hellbender. They yeah. top by my parents' house yeah. in Asheville and North Carolina. Um, but that got canceled obviously this year, but that seemed like a pretty cool route. I'd be interested in doing that again. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I like, you. Yeah, I like to go to different places, um, for races too. I'd never been to Tahoe before, before okay. going out there. I don't been to California once before, uh, heading out there for the 200 miler. Dude, that's awesome. I, I, you should, uh, uh, while you're exploring around, man, uh, of course I'm from Louisiana originally. My accent comes out every now and then, but, uh, yeah. some good, some good races down there in the swamps, man. And some good food. You want some adventure? Go ahead to South Louisiana, run the, run the Lugaru and, the, uh, the red dirt and some others out there. That, 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 that'd be fun. Run, hit some swamps, man. <laughs> man, I, I really have not explored that part of the country at all, but I, I know it's not the same, but I ran Pinhoti a couple of years ago. Yeah. And was yeah. super impressed with the community that race gets. And uh, I thought it was a really cool route. I was, I'd definitely do that one again, too. I got a lot of friends who've done that one. And that, that's kind of yeah. on my on my radar, too, if I can if I can swing it to get out there, you know, with you know, life, man. Life gets in the way of running. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, so uh, real quick before we get off, man, I, uh, you're wearing a, you're wearing a sun, too. Are you wearing the nine yet? I am. Yeah. I got the nine barrow. Okay, good. That's, that's the one I'm running with too. It's pretty, pretty awesome. I, I'm going to have to charge it. I think one time, uh, at least once, uh, for Moab, but we'll see. I like the battery life on it. Yeah. I, I had, uh, I put it in endurance mode, which is like that next level down from the top, uh, for Tahoe 200 or for the, my FKT attempt rather. And yeah, yeah never charged it or anything during, during the run. And like an idiot, just forgot to stop my watch at the finish line too. <laughs> so I ran until the next morning. Oh man! Well, you know, and I might I might go ahead and put it on endurance mode. I was thinking, uh, I, I'll, I'm debating. I might do endurance mode, or I may just try to collect as much data as I can and, and charge it on the go. Uh, we'll see, because I think it'll last. It should last just about the whole time if I put it on endurance mode. It's it's long for that, so yeah. It is, yeah. I, it, yeah, it's reliable too you know I, yeah. i've definitely had watches that have restarted on me before or things like that it's yeah. nice to have all the data for sure yeah okay so so we know you're wearing you're wearing ultra shoes and uh what are you doing for a pack it all depends um i got you know i got backpacks on backpacks and uh i have like uh man actually a trail race i ran in clarksville when i lived there in tennessee uh, i won a a uh, ultimate direction AK 2.0 vest. And uh, I finally retired that this year. So I ran it for seven years. Wow. <laughs> and that was like my main, main vest I'd take every day. And now I have like a, a bigger ultimate direction vest. And then uh, one of those 
the five liter Solomon vests and I go back and forth between those two. And I do a lot of backpacking and that kind of stuff too, that I use a, a six moons designed backpack for. Yeah. And that, that yeah. covers most of it. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, I always, I always like to hear what people are using and, and what works for them. And uh, a lot of people, you know, get like the good advice for, you know, from that and everybody's a little different. So, you know, uh, yeah, it all depends on, on what you're trying to do too. You know, you got to have the right equipment for the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Kyle, man, uh, I know you're, you're, you're traveling and, uh, I just thank you for taking time out of your adventures to, you know, to talk to us and, uh, man, I'm looking forward to seeing what's next. Make sure you're, uh, you know, not everybody's, a um, social media junkie and post a whole lot of stuff, but I like seeing what you're doing. So make sure you make sure you keep posting up there, man. We'll do, man. All right. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't think of Oh, last thing. What do you tell somebody who's just looking at getting into the sport? What do you want to tell them? Get inspired. That The book Born to Run is, was so inspiring for me. And I mean, that was years of motivation out of that. And then just seeing all the things that other runners are doing and the other parts of the community are doing. And say get inspired and find a community. I think those those two will get you going. Right on, man. Right on. Well, I appreciate that. And uh you take care and uh hope to hope to maybe run a race with you at some point, man. That'd be great. All right, man. Thanks, brother. Thanks, dude.